Well, good e evening. It's a little loud, yeah. I know, usually when we get together, we're saying good morning. It's so, so good to have everyone here this morning. I want to welcome you all to the Good Friday service and, and welcome Pastor Mike and Pastor Tom from Foursquare and all the church of Foursquare. Man, it's great to have them all here. And Pastor Eric and Linda Herger from Believer's Chapel. Amen. It's great to have uh, the churches together, amen, to, yeah. to remember what happened this Passion Week and this whole week. I, I hope that you've been in the scriptures, reading the word and seeing what has transpired this week and preparing our hearts for Resurrection Sunday for what happens. And, and tonight's service is, is a, a simple service. It's just about an hour and it's a real hour. It's not a Pentecostal hour or... <laughs> But uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a time in worship and, and a time in the Word and just a time of reflection and thinking about what happened on that Good Friday 2,000 years ago. I'm going to ask Madeline and Susan to come, and they're going to lead us in a time of worship. And uh, let's, let's open in a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus during this Passion Week, we remember and think about all that transpired. His life on earth, His miracles, His triumphant entry, His teachings. Tonight, Good Friday, the night that Jesus would be in the tomb. Many hopes and desires seemingly shattered. But Father, we on this side of the cross, on this side of the resurrection, know what happens. We thank you that Jesus is alive. We worship and celebrate the risen Savior. God, but help us to contemplate and remember all that he did for us. God, bless our time in worship. Receive it as an offering to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Madeline Susan.
Oh, oh, oh. 
we Father, we thank you for your name, God. We thank you that your name and, and who you are defeated death. Father, there's so much power. There's so much glory in who you are, Father. Even though this, this is a very somber day, even though we, we mourn the loss of what happened, Father, we know what's coming. And we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for, for sacrificing everything, Father, for taking everything upon you all the hurt, all the bitterness, all the anger. We thank you for taking it on that cross and, and dying for it, Father, and then beating death three days later. We lift up your name tonight, Father. You're beautiful, you're powerful, your wonderful name, Father. We lift it up. show and to just a couple minutes long to continue to help us understand what was going on.
Good Friday. What a week it's been. Just this past Sunday, we celebrated when Jesus would finally come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, fulfilling the prophet Zechariah, Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey, that great symbol of peace, the king coming to make peace. He went into the temple and he turned over the money changers' tables, fulfilling the prophecy that said, zeal for my house will consume me. He made a whip from cords and he drove out the money changers. The reason the money changers were there was to make a profit, to make a profit on, on people like us coming to God. What a horror, what a disgrace, a horrible thing that they were doing. In a sense, they were actually holding God ransom, not letting us get to God without having to pay. It's almost as if they were kidnapping God. During this week, Jesus would do much teaching. And so much is written about his teachings between his triumphal entry and Good Friday. During this week, we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem and teaching about the wicked tenants, about paying taxes to Caesar. He, he gets questions by the Sadducees about the resurrection, and he talks to the disciples about the widow's offering, about how she gave more than anyone else because she gave out of her lack. You know, there is something amazing that happens when we give or we do something that actually costs us something or even hurts a little bit. King David says in 2 Samuel 24, I will not offer to the Lord any sacrifices that cost me nothing. He talks about the destruction of the temple during this week and he begins to talk about the end times and wars and rumors of wars and the destruction of, of Jerusalem and the coming of the Son of Man. In Luke chapter 21, he says to us, Watch yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that the day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Stay awake and at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. In chapter 21, verse 37, it says that every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and he lodged on the mount called Olivet. And then early in the morning, the people would come to hear him in the temple. This week, this amazing week, Jesus spends his last Passover with his disciples and he institutes for us the Lord's Supper. After the dinner which was an event in itself where Jesus predicted that Judas would betray him and, and he tells Peter to his face that you will deny me three times. During that supper, he gets down from the table and he washes the disciples' feet, the sign of a servant, a humble servant, speaking to them of, about who is the greatest in the kingdom. 
After supper, he gets up with all of them and he walks out towards the Garden of Gethsemane and he delivers an amazing sermon, an amazing teaching found in the book of John. He teaches the famous passage that most of us know in John 14 that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He tells us, us as his disciples that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to us. And in chapter 15 of the book of John, it talks about that, that special chapter of Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And he tells us that we need to abide in him. It's an amazing teaching, and Bruce Wilkinson, in his book, Secrets of the Vine, which I highly recommend, spends time going through the teachings to his disciples, and he brings out some beautiful, rich symbolism and teaching of Jesus and the vine and the branches. The evening ends with Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. One of the most powerful scenes to me in all the Gospels. Jesus goes up with all of the disciples to the garden area. And he calls Peter and James and John to go a little further with just Jesus. And then Jesus leaves them just a stone's throw away. And he begins to pray the heaviest prayer that he prayed recorded in the Bible. The scene at the Garden of Gethsemane finds Christ praying so intensely that he began to sweat. But not only to begin to, to sweat, but under the anguish, the blood vessels in his forehead begin to rupture and he begins to sweat drops of blood. During this time of anguish, Jesus prays a prayer. Father, if it's possible, please take this cup from me. In Mark, it says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. To say that Jesus was distressed is, is an understatement. I believe he fully knew what the next day was going to bring. I believe he had a, a picture in his mind and he understood fully the pain and the agony and the, the loneliness. The weight of the sin that he was going to carry, that he was going to feel. The scriptures teach us that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. That joy is you and me. It's you and me coming to faith and receiving Christ as our Savior and Lord. The joy set before Him, His joy is our joy when we come to faith and become children of God. While he's in the garden, Judas leads a pack of Jews, a group sent from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Judas, one of the disciples of Jesus, who walked with him, bringing this armed group to arrest Jesus. Judas had made a plan with the high priest saying that the one that I kiss will be, will be him. Arrest him. Judas, one of Jesus' twelve. Not just a disciple, an apostle, sent out, commissioned, two by two. Judas, commissioned to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, and to preach the coming kingdom. 
Judas, an apostle, one who walked with Jesus. Jesus was Judas's rabbi. And he should have become Judas's Lord and Savior. Instead, we find him betraying Jesus this night, betraying him with a kiss. All of this happens on Friday. So the way we look at days is different than the way that the Jews look at days. Our day technically starts at midnight, but for many people it starts when they wake up in the morning or at the, at the beginning of dawn. But for the Jew, the day started and ended at sundown. So the disciples were eating with Jesus and hearing the teachings, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, then standing trial before Pilate and Herod and being flogged and beaten, ridiculed and mocked, all of that takes place on Friday. Jesus' horrendous march to Calvary, placed upon the cross, his conversation with the two thieves, his last words to his mother and to his disciple John, the temple veil being torn in two from top to bottom, darkness over the land, Jesus giving up his spirit, breathing his last, and dying all take place on Friday. Good Friday. So what's so good about this day? Perhaps I've gotten ahead of myself. Let's look a little bit more closely at some of the events of Friday. After his time praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, where, by the way, his disciples were so tired, they kept falling asleep on him. Jesus' words to them are profound and need to be heard by us today. He tells his disciples, could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Watch, pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's a message we need to hear and we need to heed. This world and the enemy of our souls constantly offers us temptation. Some of the things that we're tempted to do aren't even always inherently bad, but sometimes they're just the things that God doesn't have for us or doesn't want for us. So what do we do? Watch and pray. Watch the Lord. Listen to Him. Pray for strength. Pray for wisdom. Pray for guidance. Pray for discernment. Pray to recognize the things that God has for us compared to the things that the world has for us. After Jesus is arrested in the garden, he's taken to the council to the high priest, and there's something happening as that happens. As, as they're taking him to the high priest, they're bringing Jesus to the council. The disciples, John and Peter, are following behind. John, knowing the servant of the high priest, he's able to go in, and Peter goes into the outer area, into the outer courtyard. And, and Peter's questioned three times. You also... We're, in, we're with the Nazarene Jesus, weren't you? And Peter denies it, and the servant tells the bystanders, this man is one of them, but he denies it again. And then somebody else says, certainly you are one of them, for you are Galilean. And he began to invoke a curse on himself, swearing, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And the rooster crowed. And this is 
Friday. Meanwhile, the chief priests are trying to find somebody to bring a testimony against Jesus, but are unsuccessful time and time again, and they ask, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And finally, Jesus replies, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest in that moment believed that he had blasphemed and he tore his garments. And he said, what more witness do we need? During this night, Jesus goes before Pontius Pilate. Who was Pontius? He was the Roman governor of Judea serving under the emperor Tiberius. And he's only mentioned in the Gospels in relation to this event, the crucifixion of Jesus. We learn that he didn't truly want to crucify Jesus. We don't know all the reasons he didn't want to do it. But we know that his wife had urged him and tells him, have nothing to do with this man, for I've been troubled in a dream. We see Pilate even trying to release Jesus. He tells the Jewish leaders, I find no fault in him. But they pressure him all the more. Even telling him that, if he does not crucify Jesus, he is no friend of Caesar's. Pilate's brief appearance in Scripture is full of tragedy. He ignored his conscience. He disregarded the good advice of his wife. He chose political expediency over public rectitude, and he failed to recognize the truth even when truth was standing right in front of him. Pilate hands over a known criminal to be released to the Jews, and then Jesus is handed over for crucifixion. After a long, arduous night of trials and flogging and mocking, Jesus is led to the hill of the cross to Golgotha. The scriptures teach us as they went out, they found a man from Cyrene. Simon was his name, and they, they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a school, they offered Jesus wine drinks with, mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink it. What was Simon doing there that day? Likely he was there to celebrate the Passover with his two children. A man caught unaware, swept up to be part of a crucifixion, part of an innocent man. He was a, a life that was about to change. The Bible teaches that Simon carries the cross of our Lord all the way to Golgotha. And we don't know anything about Simon after this. How did it affect him? What was going through his mind? Did he become a believer in Jesus? A follower of Jesus, the Christ? We know a little bit about the place that Simon was from. He was from Cyrene. It's one of the cities that's mentioned at the day of Pentecost when the gospel is preached. There were men from Cyrene who hear the gospel and get saved. Many accepted Jesus as their Lord that day. We know in the book of Romans that Paul says to greet Rufus, which was under one of the names of the children of Simon. Is it possible that as Paul is saying greet Rufus, that he's talking to the son of Simon the Cyrene, and he mentions to greet your mother in the faith, so the mother is now a believer as well. Is that the same Simon? Is that the same Rufus? We'll find out when we get to heaven, I suppose. As Friday progresses, we find more characters in this event, and, and I want to talk about a couple more. Jesus was crucified between two thieves. 
These two men were convicted of a crime. One of them declares that they are guilty. So they're not innocent men. During the crucifixion, one of them mocking Jesus, if you are the Christ, save yourself. And the other criminal said to his partner, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong, the scriptures teach. And then this second thief looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus looks at him and says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. After this, the Bible says that there was darkness for three hours in the whole land. It teaches that the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom and Jesus cries out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Lucas says, Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all of his acquaintances, the disciples and his friends, all the women would followed him from Galilee. They stood at a distance watching these things. Good Friday, the next day, would be a Sabbath. A day of rest where work wasn't supposed to be done. So the Jews wanted to take the bodies of the three criminals down before sundown. And, and the book of John teaches that the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. So the soldiers come out and they break the legs of the first man. And they break the legs of the third thief, the second thief, the third man. But when they came to Jesus, they knew that he was already dead. So the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. John says that these things took place so that scriptures might be fulfilled, that not one of his bones will be broken. And then Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, Sometimes we have secret disciples. There might be some in here. But he comes out and he makes a bold statement and he asks permission to take the body and bury it. And Nicodemus, who we met in John 3, he, he comes and he brings a mixture of aloes and myrrh, about 75 pounds to anoint and wrap the body of Jesus, binding him in linen cloths. They buried him in the garden tomb. This is Good Friday. I want to talk just briefly about four of the people that we might identify with in some way. Pontius Pilate was really an unwilling per participant. The Jews came to him desiring that he would have Jesus crucified. It was illegal for the Jews to do it themselves to enforce the death penalty. And we really don't see it any time that Pontius became a believer, but he didn't want to crucify Jesus. His wife urged him 
not to have anything to do with this man. He even gave an attempt, as weak as it may have been, to release Jesus. But in the end, he gave in. He succumbed to the pressure. He didn't stick with his resolve. He didn't allow himself to be swayed by the claims of Jesus. and let he, Instead, he allowed himself to be swayed by the voice of the Jews. He followed the voice of the crowd around him. What about us? When given an opportunity to evaluate the claims of Jesus, what will we decide? Will we accept his claim that he's king? Or will we follow the voice of the crowd? And then there's Simon, the man from Cyrene, with his two children, another unwilling participant in this crucifixion of Christ, forced to play a part in a drama that he didn't want to play in. Was he looking for the Christ? Surely as a Jew, he was waiting for the appearance of the Christ, but I doubt that he actually thought the Messiah would be in Jerusalem this Passover. And then he comes face to face with the innocent Jesus of Nazareth being condemned to die, witnessing firsthand up close an innocent man dying in Simon's place. I believe this encounter with Jesus, this encounter with the truth of what Jesus did, causes Simon to become a believer. I believe he went home and his wife became a believer. I believe that he helped spread the gospel in Cyrene, that he allowed his encounter with Jesus to change him, to give him hope, to give him a new life. What about you? Will you allow tonight your encounter with the truth of what Jesus did to change you? Will you go about your business unchanged or will you allow what Jesus did to give you a new trajectory, a new purpose in life? And finally, the two thieves on the cross, what a brief encounter they had with Jesus. Two people from the same type of background, two people, both criminals, two Jews, one encounters Jesus and sees his crucifixion and wants nothing to do with him. He mocks Jesus to his dying breath. The other, still a criminal, he sees the innocent man and on his deathbed cries out to Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. It's not too late. It's not too late, no matter how close to the end of your life you are, you're here tonight and you can make your confession and cry out to Jesus. Don't let the events of this week impact you without letting it change you. See, we can become emotionally stirred up even as we watched and listened and heard the video. We can be stirred up in our emotions. We can be saddened. We can even be convicted, but we can still be unresponsive. The Lord is looking for a response from you and from me. He doesn't want us to merely believe in Him. He wants us to allow Him to change us. He wants us to not just accept Him as Savior, but also to make Him our Lord. 
Can you commit your life fully to him tonight? Will you be like Simon and return to your home changed, bringing the good news of Jesus with you? Don't be like Pilate tonight, afraid. Afraid even to truly consider what it might mean if Jesus is the Christ. Truly consider that Jesus might be the real king. Tonight, don't let your pride or your fear get in the way of finding your Messiah, finding your Christ, your deliverer, your savior, your king. Tonight is a great night to make a commitment. Make a decision to receive Jesus as your Savior to become a follower of Christ, or if you've done that in the past, it's a great night to recommit your life or to commit it more fully to Him. Become a true follower of Jesus. Tonight's a good night to get your relationship right with Jesus of Nazareth and make it a really Good Friday. Tonight you can, I invite you to pray with me. Pray a prayer something like this. God, tonight I've seen Jesus. I've seen what he did for me. Jesus, I need you to be my Lord. I need you to be my focus. I want to follow you. Would you forgive me of my sin? Come into my life and make me a new creation. Would you cause your Holy Spirit to live in me, to give me strength to live for you? Help me to grow. Help me to follow hard after you. Help me to never look back. Cause this day to be not just a good Friday, but the best Friday of my life. In Jesus' name. What we've experienced this week should change us. We are on this side of Resurrection Sunday. We are on this side of Good Friday. We know how it comes out. Sunday is coming. Whatever's happening in your life today, the difficulties, the hardship, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming, as the great preacher said.
I want to encourage all of you to be in church on Sunday. Celebrate the resurrection. Whatever church you're attending, even though you got an invitation here, please go there. Celebrate the risen Christ and let this Easter be a, a new one for you. A fresh, recommitted, passionate day. We have just a, a real short video we want to show real quick. And then we'll close the service. visiting here and uh, for the first time and uh, we have some uh, prayer request cards in front of you um, some praise reports and a visitor card if you would love to get connected with you if you want more information about the church or if you want prayer for anything take one of those cards fill it out you can put it in the offering boxes in the back we're not going to take an offering but some of the, you if you're from this church you might have brought your tithes and offerings to bring you can feel free to put it in the offering box in the back but we're not going to receive an offering other than that tonight. Again, be in, be in with the other believers in church on Sunday. And if you don't have a home church, we're having a, a great breakfast at 8.30 in the morning. We're having quiches and muffins and juice and hash browns and all kinds of great fattening things. <laughs> and then our service starts at 9.30. We're having a really large Easter egg hunt after service for the kids. They're going to learn all about Jesus and the resurrection. And then after service, they're going to be hunting for a thousand eggs, I heard. Is that about right? Maybe 600. So there's a, there's a few, few things there. So, so uh, you know, bring, if you, bring some neighborhood kids with you and, and join us. Or, but stay in your church if, you're, if you've got a home church. Bless you guys. And look at that. I'm even four minutes early. That's unheard of. <laughs> Amen. Hey, bless you guys. Have an amazing night. 
Love one another before you go home.